How we doing? And welcome back to the Esports Forever podcast. My name is Ryan B. Hebert alongside Jacob Schrader. And today we are graced with the presence of yet another fantastic content creator, this time also within the Axie Infinity ecosystem, Attack on Axie, or otherwise known as Wesley. Wesley, how are you doing today? I'm good, Ryan. It's very nice to be here. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm glad you introduced me because I never say my own name on my content channel, like Wesley. I feel people don't realize that that's my name. So it's it's weird to hear you say that, but it's perfect because I've been trying to get that message to my audience. Instead of, hey, attack on Axie, you can say, hey, Wesley, how's it going? Well, you'd be <laughs> surprised how long it took me to find out that your name was Wesley. I almost had you as attack on Axie. In fact, I was stressing before coming to this podcast today about what I was going to call you as we were going throughout the podcast, I go, do I call him attack? Do I call him Axie? Do I call him attack on Axie? Every, every time I have to say your name. So it was a blessing that I went through your YouTube bio and saw, you can also call me Wesley. And I go, well, isn't that fun? Isn't that fun? Well, before we get into things, Wesley, I just want to have Jacob have a brief moment here to talk about our sponsor, EMP Money. Awesome. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's funny, you know, I'll introduce the sponsor in one second, but Wesley Anderson. Oh my gosh. Should I have not had said the, the that's totally fine. Okay. okay. That's good. But that, you know, when I heard that I immediately shot to the matrix and I guess Wesley Anderson is either, you know, that's a, a another person named Wesley Anderson, either the, uh, an actor in the film or the director or something. Uh, I think it's actually like the main agent is called Wesley Anderson, which is just crazy. Um, so I just wanted to point that out. Before we <laughs> Thank you, Jacob. All right. Yeah, sorry. Uh, but yes, uh, all podcasts, all Zen sports tournaments, really all of the content that we do is sponsored by EMP Money. Right. EMP Money is an awesome gamified crypto staking platform. Right, It's a tomb. It's a fork of tomb money. Right, which means it's built on the same source code, but they've added a lot of cool features on top of it. Right, So basically what you do is you earn EMP tokens and EMP tokens are pegged to the price of Ethereum at a 4,000 to one ratio. Right, There's gamified mechanics in the staking protocol. Right, So not only are you earning you know, half a percent to 3% daily APR on your stakings, but there's also the detonator. Right, And the detonator goes boom. And what the detonator does is it basically locks up assets. You provide liquidity that sits in the detonator forever, and you're guaranteed 365% AP year, APR per year on funds you put in the detonator. Right, So in addition to that, the detonator has you know kind of two daily lottery winners, uh, the highest depositor and a random winner. Um, and also on Fridays, a Zen Sports and NFT will be added to that lottery. Uh, EMP money is crazy cool. It's awesome to be working with them. Uh, and thank you for sponsoring the podcast. Thank you so much, Jacob and Wesley. Thank you for your patience. Without further ado, folks, let's get into it here with what I like to call the tip of the iceberg. So, Wesley, give us a little bit of your background. Obviously, you need to include in there how and why you're in Japan. I mean, we we can't, we really can't go anywhere without that, obviously. But uh, And then following that with, when did you first get into crypto and by relation, Axie Infinity? Yeah, sure. So... I have a background in economics um, and I'm Canadian, but as you mentioned, I live in Japan. So I've been here just over a year now and I'm actually studying Japanese. Um, part of that was because I've always loved anime and manga and I'm a big otaku and I also wanted to learn the language. So 
I decided like while I was working remotely and with everything going on that I might as well be in a country that I've always wanted to live in as well. So that's what I've been doing the past year here as well. And crypto, crypto for me is a bit of a funny story. I've been in crypto since 2014, I guess. I was uh, mining it in my basement out of a computer I built in a milk crate so it would mm. get more airflow. Classic. So it wouldn't overheat the free electricity that I got from my <laughs> landlord. <laughs> so, and yeah, I've been with Axie just like 10, 11 months now. I kind of got in right before the hype of the summer, which was um, kind of when I think a lot of people started to put eyes on it. And it's, I've been following NFTs for quite some time and I never really saw one that grabbed my attention like Axie did. Um, mm. Because it's a concept that someone had told me about few years prior and I'd never seen anyone actually put into actuation the way that Axie had. And so when I saw this, I was like, wow, here's here's what I've been waiting for an NFT to do and, and I have to play this game. Yeah. Wow. So you you say that you never seen an NFT project that did did it like Axie was doing. Are you really talking about utility? I'm talking about utility and also collectability. Like when I first saw an NFT project that I was excited about, it was for a card game actually. Um, and they wanted to make these collectible cards like Yu-Gi-Oh that were also NFTs. Um, and the project never ended, ended up getting off the ground. And I didn't really get into CryptoKitties as much um, just because it didn't, I guess it didn't have that same appeal to me that Axie does. Um, so when I saw this like gaming collectible utility NFT, I was like, wow, this is cool. Well, it's so interesting to see you go from, I mean, being a Canadian to being like, you know what? I really love the culture, really love to, I would really love to just kind of dive into everything going on over there. And so you've just dove head first. You're in Japan. You're doing it up. I love that. I mean, it's, it's truly living by what you want to do, which I feel like not enough people do these days, Wesley. Uh, You know, you, you, you got one life to live. You're going out there and you're doing it. So I respect the heck out of that because I'll tell you what, I'm stuck up here in Southern Maine. Now, it's a pretty great spot compared to Miami, Florida. It's a pretty great spot. Okay. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Not to take a jab at my CEO, Jacob and John, the COO. But I mean, I mean, it's pretty cold up here right now. But once the summertime hits, I will not be dying in 100 plus degree heat. Okay. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Now. Very nice. We've hit the tip of the iceberg, Wesley. You were very brief, but I love that. It's it, it was concise. It was perfect. So let's deep dive a little bit more. Let's break the ice, Wesley, because I can see you're ready to deep dive. So the first thing I notice when I go to your channel, when I go to your Twitter, is that you've got a link for scholarships. So I got to ask, do you run a guild of your own or are you a part of a larger guild? Yeah, so I do run my own guild. Um and we're fairly small, which surprises people. I have a, less than 30 members. Um, and the main reason is I wanted to keep it within something I could manage myself. Uh-huh. And then I also consult for quite a few guilds that are much larger, um, several hundred scholars. And that's kind of how I managed to keep it reasonable for what I could do. And my goal since I started the channel was just every two weeks, I was going to bring on a scholar. Um, and that's mm-hmm. what I've been doing. So like channel's been up there seven months um, and sometimes I get more than two a month, but that's why we're, you know, almost double that. But I've just been slowly growing the channel because it was never my goal to kind of ape in and make it huge, but it's become a small community. And and I do get most of my members through YouTube, through those links and through um, social media like that. So I try to engage with the audience that engages with me too, when I bring on scholars. Yeah. 
So, you know, this is going a little out of order here, but it talks about mm-hmm. YouTube and Twitter. The discoverability of videos on YouTube and, and Twitter.com sometimes is not fantastic, but you've really managed, and I mean this in the best way, you've really managed to build up a really solid community at over 30,000 members. Do you accredit that to YouTube and Twitter solely? Is Have you also been live streaming? I mean, what steps have you taken using YouTube and Twitter alone to get to where you are now? Yeah, that really comes from YouTube mainly. Um, YouTube drove all my traffic to Twitter when I opened up Twitter a few mm-hmm. months ago. And I do have some like photography Instagram accounts from way back when with a few thousand followers, but I never really advertised my Axie stuff on any other channels because mm-hmm. I wanted to establish it and see if this niche was, was going to take off, which it did. Um, and I think part of that, honestly, is because I caught Axie right at the correct time as well. That definitely gave me a boost for my first few thousand viewers, just catching Axie right before it became very popular in the summer. Um, so I definitely, you know, I can't take all the credit because the timing there and the amazing things that Axie has done definitely helped me get to the viewership that I'm at now. Yeah. yeah. So you started your YouTube channel about 11 months ago, about 12 months ago, or you had been doing it prior and it just really picked up during Axie. So I only started the YouTube channel seven, eight months ago. I was playing Axie like 10, 11 months. And then after a few months decided, hey, I could, you know, I could provide some useful insights and tools to other people playing this game. So I, I started the YouTube channel then um, and it just took off pretty quick. Yeah. Wow. Wesley, that's, that's, I want to uh, know. That's pretty aggressive growth. Yeah, that, that is very aggressive growth. And relating to that, your recent rate of published videos is about two every one and a half to two weeks. So looking at that as of recently, that's kind of what I was seeing on your channel. How do you balance your real life responsibilities between that and being a content creator and making content, especially making content with scholars? I mean, I, I'm sure you've you've got to try to plan around people's schedules and make sure that you can take time to record with them, all of that. Um, you know, how's, how has that balance been? Yeah, well, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head there with, I only do one video a week or two videos at the course of two weeks kind of thing, because mm-hmm. I have so much other stuff to balance on. Like I mentioned, I'm working on uh, learning Japanese, but I also running my own scholarship and I'm consulting with other teams as well as my own Axie Infinity team. So I take that into account and I do a lot of videos solo. Um, but when I coordinate with people like here, I, I try to plan that ahead of time as much as I can. And, and you know, my schedule is fairly flexible because I, I do marketing work as well. I'm not full-time Axie Infinity, but I do marketing work as well and it's online. And so I actually am lucky to have the freedom that my set hours are learning Japanese and everything else I kind of shuffle around my schedule, right? And that does involve working within my scholars' timelines as well, which is kind of funny because as you might know, a lot of Axie Infinity players are out of the Philippines and them mm-hmm. only being one hour behind me is actually quite convenient. Um, being in Japan has made the time zones there for scholarships quite easy to manage, which helps a lot too. But yeah, other than that, I just uh, keep a detailed calendar and shuffle things around as I need to. Absolutely. Yeah, that's very convenient to be able to have uh, such a large player base almost pretty much within your time zone. I'm sure it makes it really great to be able to run all of those scholarships and also find new and upcoming players as well if, if you're you know losing out on a scholar, because last week we had the privilege of talking to Tiago and Isabella, co-founders of the Axiopolis Guild under the uh, ASS 
ASS um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Axie uh, Guild, like a larger umbrella. Um, we had a wonderful time talking with them, Jacob and I. We just we had a blast, and they're based, I believe, Jacob out of South America. And so for them, you know, they were they're always juggling trying to find scholars, and they recognize that a lot of players are coming out of the Philippines as well. And so I'm sure it's definitely difficult for them to try to find a good time for people in the Philippines. But for you, I mean, with them only being an hour behind, that must be pretty great. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Um, I need to wake some more of them up right now, I think. <laughs> <laughs> How, uh, yeah. Go for it, Jake. So, so we talked with Isabella and Tiago a lot about their guild, right? You know, one of the things is that's, that we talked about that was interesting was kind of a, a day in the life of a manager, right? I'd love to hear about, you know, what was your main reason for starting a guild? Was it building a community to supplement your YouTube channel? Was it for you know fun, which I can certainly imagine it being? And then, you know, tell me about what you you do on a daily basis, what struggles you have as a guild manager, uh, you know, kind of the, you know, give me the picture of, of a day in the life of Wesley as a guild manager. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as a guild manager, well, let's start with where I started from. Um, because I, I knew scholarships were a thing when I started playing Axie Infinity. And it's kind of funny because at teams were more expensive than they are now. They did, they weren't, when I got in, they weren't nearly as ridiculous as, as they got at, at the height, but they were still expensive. So in my mind, I kind of knew this scholarship program existed and I thought, hey, you know what? I'm going to play this game and if it doesn't work, the, apparently there's a lot of other people that will play it for me and try and help me get some of the money back that I'm investing in this. So that was always on my mind. Like I was thinking of scholarships, but it's funny because I actually ended up quite enjoying playing Axie Infinity and climbing the ladder. Um, and then as I was getting good at it, I was thinking to myself, well, hey, why don't I just get some more teams and I could train some other people to play this game with me. Mm. And it, it developed into this community that alongside YouTube. And I definitely noticed like as I started YouTube, um, more so then than now, but a lot of people were looking for scholarships too. Like a lot of people in the comments, like, hey, you know, great tutorials. Are you, are you looking to bring on any scholars and that kind of stuff? Um, and so I thought it was just a good opportunity to, to grow the scholarship along with the YouTube channel. Um, so that's kind of how I did that. And as far as like day-to-day life goes, uh, every day is a little bit different, which is something that I like. Um, but it tends to be like a quick chat. How's everyone doing? Um, people tend to post video clips into the channel as well. And you can review and be like, oh, hey, you should have done this. Or sometimes they're just funny clips of like how they lost to four crits in a row. And, <laughs> and like, as far as the hardship goes, I think Lately, for a lot of guild managers, the biggest trouble has been people leaving um, scholarships. And the reason that that is many people got in when SLP was the the token. The token was quite higher, the price. Um, And people are just finding that it's not as profitable as it was. So when I was interviewing scholars, one thing that I asked a lot of people is, hey, if SLP drops 80%, are you still going to play with me? (laughs) Because like I foresaw that at prices like around 30, 40 cents. It's a little unsustainable in my opinion for a token that's unlimited supply, but I won't get into that too much here. Um, So I was always kind of preparing people like, hey, if this goes down, are you going to keep playing? And so I think that's helped me retain a lot of my scholars because I asked these questions up front, but some people have left for sure. Um, And that's been a struggle. And the other struggle is the changes. The game has nerfs and it has buffs and teams get stronger or weaker. And as a manager, you have to be able to adapt to that, right? If you want your scholars to continue to be competitive. So definitely like shuffling teams around is something that a lot of managers are struggling with right now and will continue to struggle. But things like that are part of the job. and, And that's a lot of what I do day to day. 
Yeah. So let's touch on uh, nerfs and buffs, right? Because, you know, Axie Infinity as a blockchain game is different than League of Legends is as a centralized game on, mm-hmm. you know, their own servers, right? Every, every so often League of Legends will say, okay, Renata is too overpowered. We're going to lower her stats, right? But with a, a blockchain game where the cards are NFTs and, you know, NFTs can't change, Right. If they change the actual stats of the NFT, they're going to get horrible backlash from people who you know spend money and invested in them. How does Axie go about buffing and debuffing? Right, I, I, it must be a different process than it is in League of Legends. But I'd love to hear more about that because it's it's really important for the longevity of blockchain gaming is figuring out how to provide balance when everything is an NFT and NFTs you can't change them or lose your community in a second. Yeah, I, it's funny because I've, I've always said it's a very touchy subject with Axie Infinity. And the reason is, just like you said, it's an NFT. So this is someone's investment that they're then directly affecting the value of, essentially. Um, so it becomes a difficult situation where if they buff or nerf anything too strongly, then people are going to get quite upset. And this has happened. Some people, of course, if your axes get nerfed, you tend to be upset. And some people get unlucky, unfortunately. Like sometimes you just have 10 of the axes that they have to nerf. Um, But for me, I've always told people it's an essential part of the game because like with any video game, if you don't make these adjustments, not only can certain axes be too strong or the meta can lean too strong one way, but it can also become stale when you don't have updates like nerfs and buffs, right? And if the game becomes stale and no one wants to play, then everyone's axes are going to be devalued, right? So you can't do nothing or everyone's going to lose. So unfortunately, there are some winners and losers. But I think one thing the Axie Infinity team has tried to make clear is if you're in this in the long run over the course of the year, these same axes are going to be nerfed and buffed slightly and the values of everything is going to go up and down. And in the long run, it hopefully kind of averages out a little bit. And it's definitely like, it's definitely something we've struggled with, but the team is getting better. And what they did with season 20 is they actually decided to release some lists of things they were thinking of doing. And then they talked to the community about it. And then they implemented it before the actual season started. So they did it during the off season Mm -hmm. Uh, because in season 19, they did it right at the start of the season. I think that upset a lot of people just because they had to adapt to new changes as a competitive season started. So it seems like every, every season, the team is getting better at these nerfs and buffs and they're dressing them better. So I think this is just going to continue and the system itself is, is becoming stronger through this. Yeah. Yeah. That, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, what you said about the fact that if the game gets stale, it's bad for everybody. That that's a great point. Uh, you know, I, when I'm, when I'm thinking about it, it wasn't something that I considered because, you know, we work super close to Splinterlands and Splinterlands isn't a game that gets nerfed and buffed like that at all. Right. And it brings in some worries to me about, you know, staleness, right. They do release a ton of new cards, um, but they don't really have the ability to, to make nerfs and buffs. Um, touching back on Axie nerfs and buffs, Right. Tell me a little bit about how they actually you know, do the nerfs and buffs, right? Because I don't think they change the stats on the Axie card, right? They don't, they don't change the morale that an Axie has. And I, I think that actually changes over time as you play more, right? What are the mechanics in the game that are kind of built on top of the NFTs that allow the Axie team to, to nerf and buff the meta through those kind of, you know, second layer uh, aspects? Hmm. Okay, well, since I've been playing, <laughs> just to uh, correct you there, Jacob, they have changed the way morale works once. Um, to my memory, they didn't change the actual stat, but what they did is they changed the calculations in the background, right? So rather than, for example, morale times two is a X damage, it's like morale times 1.8 is a Y damage kind of thing. 
Um, but typically what they do for nerfs and buffs is the axes have four parts that affect the cards they can play, and, and they'll change the effect or the strength of those particular cards. So the card has you know, an energy cost of two and a damage of 40, and what they'll do is they'll take the damage down by 40, and maybe they'll increase... They also have a defense stat on the cards. Maybe they'll increase the defense stat a little bit. And they they tend to adjust those things ever so slightly. Um, and every now and again, they will change the effect of a card. Uh, for example, a card dealing one poison damage instead of two, that kind of thing. But usually the nerfs and buffs come in the effect of the attack and the damage of the card being increased or decreased a little bit. And that kind okay. of gives them just the push they need. And the cards are different from axes, yes. Yes, so the Axie, okay. an Axie has six parts. Four of those parts determine the cards that they can play. Cool. You know, that, that, that certainly makes a lot of sense. Um, it's, it's interesting uh, how they... Because you need, you need second layers, right? You need second layers that you can edit. Um, so, yeah, that, that's good enough. Y'all are deep diving into areas that I didn't <laughs> even know about, okay? So this is fantastic. This is why this is why Jacob's here, because I ask card-hating questions, and then all of a sudden, Jacob comes out of right field and boom, smacks it out of the park, okay? That's what this is all about. So, Wesley, thank you. And, Jacob, thank you to you as well. Now, Wesley, I, there's something I actually keep hearing in, in a lot of your comments, and it was something that I was uh, informed about by some fans of yours as well. Uh, one of the reasons why they watch your stream uh, or not stream YouTube videos and keep track of what you're doing is because you do have an economics background. So having that background, it sounds like you're definitely more critical of the Axie ecosystem and as, as a whole. Uh, some might describe this as being bullish towards uh, the Axie system as well. Um, let's talk a little bit on that, shall we? Uh, how does your you know, eco background play into how you look at Axie Infinity? Because it's one thing for me, right? I have a political science background, and so anytime we talk about politics, Jacob knows I deep dive. In fact, on our episode yesterday, uh, we were talking about the prices of crypto and how you know the war in Ukraine is going to affect that. And so you know, I, I love using my background and informing uh, you know, different topics within esports, NFTs, crypto, on that background information that I have. And so, Econ, how is it affecting your day-to-day when you're playing Axie, especially running a guild? Because I'm sure you've got to crunch some of the numbers there when you're trying to bring on scholars and buying new teams and stuff like that. Hmm. Well, I think my background in economics, and not only that, just the fact that I've always been very like statistical and mm-hmm. been quite good at math, is... The fact that like I look at things from quite an analytical way. So as a lot of people have come to see in my YouTube videos, when I'm looking at do I bring on a new scholar or do I change the team, I tend to bring up spreadsheets and Excel and like crunch numbers. Um, and the, my econ background definitely affects the way I look at the NFT gaming community in general because I tend to be quite critical of some of the white papers that I read as well um, and supportive, of course, too, when I see something that makes a lot of sense and. Some of that's my economic background, and some of that is just like because I take the time to read the white papers, which I know mm-hmm. a lot of people just kind of gloss over or, or they'll take someone else's word for it because some of these documents are quite daunting, especially when you try to look at like um, the tables for when the tokens are released to the team and like how things are divested over time. Like it can be quite dry, um, but I think my economics background has kind of also helped me enjoy 
realize that I enjoy these kind of things. Like I look, I like looking at numbers, <laughs> which I think a lot of people do not. So that definitely affects the way I, I look at things. Um, and it's not always positive. I can be quite critical sometimes, as people have said. And sometimes I'm critical of Axie as well. As I said, like when the price of SLP was too high, I was trying to tell people, you know what, like it's great to tell everyone SLP to the moon, but that's not realistic when you look at how this token is set up, right? And I'd rather have people that are going to be realistic about their expectations because they're going to stick around Axie Infinity for the long run, right? Because mm -hmm. when people think SLP is going to be 50 cents and then a dollar and $2, all these people quit, right? When SLP came down, these were the scholars that quit because they didn't have realistic expectations or or a lot of the managers or Axie programs that quit or shut down were because they were expecting to make their money back so fast. And then when they didn't, you know, then, then they quit the game, right? Rather than sticking with it. And I think by being a little bit more analytical with the numbers, I can help people make, at least I think I can help people make realistic goals for that kind of stuff. So that's how I went about it based on my own backgrounds. And, and I often bring supply and demand and basic economic features into my videos just because it's kind of like my way of thinking now. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, speaking on the fact that there's an unlimited supply, um, I think that's definitely really key when it comes to, you know, is it, you know, there can be an insane demand for it while it's never going to run out. So, you know, is it, re I think you're completely right in being critical of the fact that like, it's possible for this token to keep going up and it's possible for people to make money. Uh, but at the same time, uh, when there is a continuous supply that's never going to run out, I mean, just what's going to happen? Well, it's it, things are going to go up and down. That's just that's just how it is. And, you know, I really use some common sense, folks. Oh, we, we always say here, do your research. Know before you buy. Don't be stupid about just going into something thinking, oh, I'm going to make a quick buck because if there's anything that people have learned with NFTs and crypto, and if they haven't yet, they're learning it now, listening to us here, is that going in for a quick buck is definitely not worth it in almost most cases, really. Like there are very few projects that, you know, you can for sure take a bet on and say, yeah, this is going to definitely, I'm going to get double my money right away. I think- that's the thing that gets me the most, Wesley, is that people, e even especially in these games like Axie, want such a quick turnaround on their money to just, you know, it's just like, why not just focus on the game itself? And this is something that Jacob and I have discussed with previous folks that we've had on. Axie, for right now, may not be the most entertaining game. And I say the same thing about Splinterlands. I don't know how familiar you are, Wesley, with Splinterlands. It's like, it's a card game. Um, and you know, it's, there's a three minute simulation that goes on. You see everything going down. You can either watch the whole thing or you can press the skip button, see if you win or lose, depending on the mm -hmm. RNG of that game. Right. Mm -hmm. These are not the most entertaining things in the world. I'm going to be honest, but you know what? Um, there's more to it, right? There's either the utility of of, of the tokens themselves, uh, the the NFT projects such as Axie feature these cute little, uh, you know, uh, axes that obviously have some uh, pull on people. I mean, some of them look really cute, some of them look really ugly, and I feel like that alone <laughs> is enough to pull somebody in and say, okay, maybe I do want to have an Axie in my wallet because uh, that thing looks pretty cute, or it's so ugly, I, I want it, you know? <laughs> Where on the other hand, some people are like, well, if I just buy this, this Axie team that people say is good, I can make some a quick buck and some good money. I don't know. 
I guess where I'm trying to go with this is after after hearing the discussion between you and Jacob Wesley, um, it's a shame that people go into Axie Infinity, which is a game that's been booming since you since you said uh, since since the summer, and to have people just coming in trying to make money and then you know guilds having to suffer when scholars decide oh this isn't for me when really uh, they were just being selfish in the first place, wanting to make some money. And so that's really just a shame for any guild having to go through that. But that is a part of the guild ecosystem. I would argue as well that, you know, you're going to, you're going to bring some people on and you're going to lose some people and maybe you'll have some people to keep that'll kind of keep going and stay invested in what you're doing and help you out as you go along. So, Wow, we have done. I will. I will throw yeah. in there, Ryan. Though Please. it's not just it's not just entirely scholars too, because I did see a lot of guilds start up and then quit, right? And oh, they yeah. may have had they may have had ten scholars that were really eager to play the game, mm-hmm. but the guilds like, no, nah, we're not making mm-hmm. we're not making all our money back this week, so we're gonna yeah. fire you all and just close the guild. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, you know, it's not the same, but uh, in the esports industry in the in the U.S. especially, Wesley. Esports teams and organizations, they come and go. People start up these orgs with the intentions of of being the next Cloud9 or uh, the next 100 Thieves, <laughs> expecting to just blow up and have this viral stardom. And it's just like, no, that's just not how it works. The keyword's patience, folks. And if you don't have it, you're more than likely going to lose out and your organization will eventually go away. There are many factors, right? And one of them is sometimes just pure luck in, in having some type of success. And other times you can crunch the numbers like you do, Wesley, and find some really great, great success by probability, patience, and uh, knowing exactly what's going to be going on in the future. So that's that's really cool. I think yeah. that's pretty. That's pretty sick. Um, to have the amount of insight and and stats that you do into your work. I mean, you know, how many other Axie creators are taking the time you're taking to really crunch the numbers? You know, I I don't know personally because I'm no pro at looking up Axie content creators on YouTube.com uh, specifically. But you know what? <laughs> As of right now, and from what I've heard from several folks, um, you're definitely one of the top. So. Uh, that's why we just had to bring you on here, uh, but we're not done yet. We've deep dived deep into Axie Infinity, talking about some aspects of the game that I wasn't even aware of because I'm a complete noob at Axie. But I I, uh, I wanted to ask you some real hard-hitting questions here about Axie because Axie is one of the more well-known blockchain-based games out there, and you would know that because your YouTube channel covers quite a few of them. If you go through Wesley's YouTube channel, folks, I'm going to link it down below in the description of this video. You'll find that Wesley actually dives into quite a few different blockchain-based games, making several videos on uh, quite a few of these games and really uh, giving us great insight into whether or not these are games we should be a part of, if they're going to be successful, if they are successful, whatever it may be, you know your stuff. And so can... Axie continue to grow itself to the height of games that aren't blockchain or crypto based, such as League of Legends. Really, anything owned by Riot is just that IP continuously is pumping out games that are just so big. And Axie, as we've learned last week, is also planning to do the same thing. Axie Origins has been released, right? Or they're they're talking about it being released. They've talked about Axie Kart, where the stats of your Axie actually affect. Uh, it's like a Mario Kart uh, type simulator for Axie. I mean. I see what they're trying to do. Can Axie truly become a top esport company like 
mainstream esport titles and games? I think that's an interesting question, Ryan. And one of the reasons is when you think about esports, one thing a lot of people get into it because it is a job or a career option, right? Um, and this involves with trying to get paid to play video games, right? Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because the NFT element of these games, the fact that some of them are play and earn or play to earn, play well earning, actually aligns really well with esports, in my opinion, because it adds more ways that the players can actually get paid, right? When you can make money playing these games, um, you don't have to be a Twitch partner or get a sponsorship or that kind of stuff to make it a career or at least make it a career option for you. So I think as far as like the esports being your full-time job, I think the NFT games align with that really well. And the other thing is like Axie, they're like you said, compared to a AAA game, I talked about this before, they are they got a long way to go, right? They do. But they're definitely the market leader when it comes to like games that are fun to play. And with the plans they have in the future, Origins and Land, and you touched on it, but the Builder program um, mm -hmm. is all these community members taking their axes and making their own games too. So there's a lot of exciting stuff coming on, and we'll have to wait and see how this develops. But I do think if they keep going at the rate they're going, considering it is also set up with like a competitive ladder, and now they're doing grants for tournaments, right? So Axie really has an esports mindset as well, which I think is going to help them a lot in the future too. So, yeah, I think the uh, uh, of everything you said there, the biggest component to me for future Axie's success is the builder program, right? So Tiago and Isabella showed us Axie Kart, right? I'm not sure if you've seen the little promo they did on Twitter, but it's Mario Kart but with Axies. Right. And all these games that are possible to build, right, it all rests on the framework that Axies at its core. It's a, a set of NFTs that brings a community together and has just intrinsic, meaningful value. Right. People look at Axies and there's a reason why Axies picked up and sustained. Right. Part of that is the game. Part of it is like the art and the overall aesthetic and the overall aura that Axie creates is a lasting one. Right. That's not you know, you can't calculate that. It's just, you know, mm -hmm. it's interpersonal, right? And I think with this base that Axie has built, right, they are in such a good position, like almost a Roblox-esque position, right? There's nothing special about Roblox, right? Roblox, it's just an aesthetic. Well, okay, there is something special about Roblox, obviously, but like what's special about it- I don't play Roblox, by the way. I'm just, I just, I needed to be the devil's advocate there because, <laughs> I mean, LeBron James was recently featured in Roblox, so chill, Jacob, okay? <laughs> chill. Yeah, okay, but what I'm saying is, right, Axie has done the same thing, right? They have developed a just framework where people want to be in the ecosystem. So, you know, now that they're letting the community basically dictate the path of, of what games get created, right, if they, you know, AAA publishers or close to it are going to want to be in the builder program, right? There's already a crazy community around it, right? They have the tools to make AAA games, right? To me, these some of these games that come out from the builder program are going to be huge, huge, huge for Axie. Uh, you know, I think in the long run, they could, you know, potentially overtake Axie. I don't know how meaningful Axie Origins is going to be to revolutionize the gameplay of the core Axie game, but just more mainstream games, right? Like, you know, Mario Kart or, or Super Super Axie Kart, uh, you know, a, a shooter game, which would be hard to do with Axies, um, but Diabotical did it with eggs. So, uh, 
you know, I think, I think that's going to be crazy. Uh, I can't wait to see what comes out there. Do you shoot the axes or the axes doing the shooting? <laughs> well, I would say it's a little bit of both. It would be a uh, multiplayer. Mm-hmm. I yeah, like no, I totally agree with you, Jacob. I, uh, I've been saying for a long time, the SDK, the builder program is something that I'm really excited for, for the future of Axie, because like they might just replace the main game. There might be a game yeah. that comes out that people just enjoy so much more than the main game. And, and that's a possibility. Yeah. And, and, and it, it, that doesn't, you know, the good thing about it being an NFT game, right. Is that it, that doesn't affect Axie. It doesn't affect Sky Mavis. They want that, right. They mm-hmm. want new stuff to be built because it all the core it, they built the core, right? And the core is standing, the core is strong. Uh, you know, I, I, I completely agree. I think Zen Sports should get in on the, the builder program. I think it's, it is a crazy opportunity uh, for, for everyone, right? For the, the existing Axie community, for new people. Um, it's, it's, it's a really, really good step in uh, the right direction for Axie. Do, do other blockchain games have builder programs? I would assume none are kind of at the scale to do it. They, they all talk about having an SDK, like a software development kit that you can build on top of, but none of them are really at the point that Axie is, right? I think a lot of games recognize how powerful that is. If the community wants to add more utility to their NFTs, it's only going to add more demand for these NFTs, right? If you mm-hmm. have more uses, more games you can use them in. So a lot of programs have talked like this is something they're doing, but I haven't seen any be at the step where Axie is, where they're like... They're like, yeah, we're ready to go. Here's money to support you. Like, start building. We're not. No one else is really at that step yet. Yeah, and it's it's interesting because you know I assume with Super Axie Car, you know I don't even know if that's the name. That's what I'm calling it. But <laughs> you know I, I assume that basically the the axes that are good in in Axie Infinity as we know today will retain you know similar value in these new games built on the SDK. Right, the morale or or other stats they have will translate to better handling on your cart. It'll translate to better speed. That is, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's generally how these SDKs will work. To be honest with you, I'm not sure on that one, Jacob. I think that would really be up to the developer. I'm not sure how much they, I'm not a programmer, so I'm not sure how much freedom they have with the SDK to to take these stats and use them as they want. But I can imagine there's a world where someone could say, well, an Axie with high morale is the fastest where an Axie with high HP has the best uh, control over their car. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it, we could end up seeing metas that are specific to these games. Like we could end up seeing like this Axie is so good in competitive um, Axie ladder, mm-hmm. but this is the Axie you want to have for racing and carts. Like I, I could see something like that developing for sure. I, I actually think that's super important for success of the SDK program. Uh, if you're just taking you know, an axie and, and putting it in uniform with all other, other axes, you know, that takes away from the fact that they're all NFTs, right? Mm-hmm. I, I understand, yes, you still need one to play. And, you know, it, it, it sh- some games should probably do it that way where the barrier of entry is as low as possible and it's a uniform game. But for the, you know, axie economy and the axie ecosystem to continue to thrive, I do think it's important for, and I, I'm sure it's possible, but I do think it's important that the, the new games pull from the existing stats of the axes. Uh, you know, it was something I was giving some thought yesterday. Um, so mm-hmm. we'll see. You know, we'll see when they come out. We will. Yeah, truly. Now, our final topic for tonight, for today, um, it's been quite a time, Wesley. We've really deep-dived here uh, so much into Axie Infinity, and I, I think it's really valuable stuff for anyone within the Axie community, uh, for myself included, and hopefully you've enjoyed your time here as well. But 
Zen Sports is hosting Axie's Battle of the Guild. So we are hosting our own tournament. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Jacob. Eight Axie Guilds going head-to-head March 5th. We talked about this with Tiago and Isabella of the Axiopolis Guild. And we talked about the precedent that this sets within the Axie community from a competitive standpoint. They told us about the local tournaments that were happening down in South America, and I assume they're also happening overseas, maybe in the Philippines and in other communities as well. But I wanted to ask you and get your opinion. For Zen Sports hosting a tournament like this, has there been a precedent before for such a large-scale event to to occur between different guilds uh, at one time? I spaced out there a little bit, Ryan. (laughs) You're good. Um, Let me me rephrase. Let Let me rephrase. Let me rephrase the last bit there for... for Zen Sports Battle of the Guilds. Eight guilds going at it. Is there a history of this sort of thing happening at such a level that we are currently doing it at for March 5th? I mean, Jacob has told me some of the squads and some of the guilds that you're bringing on there, and there hasn't been that many tournaments as of yet that have been quite a large scale. So I think it's going to be very exciting to see this. Um, We have been seeing, there are, have been tournaments going on. Um, We've seen a couple with some big prizes, um, but it's definitely new, right? And and the whole NFT gaming space is new. And Axie Infinity, as of, uh, when was it? A few months back, released an announcement that they're going to be supporting some of these tournaments too, right? By incentivizing more and more people to hold tournaments. So I think we're kind of at the tip of the iceberg, but this is definitely exciting to see Axie be much more of a main esports event like this, right? So yeah, it, it's definitely, you're definitely setting some new precedents here as far as like, tournaments and an excitement around Axie Infinity and, and bringing it to the real world of esports. Well, I appreciate your insight there. I got to throw that one over to Jacob because uh, without his his work and insight and honestly just thinking of it, um, it wouldn't be happening. So we're really excited for the event to be hap- uh, to be occurring, happening, whatever, whatever word I want to use there. <laughs> I don't know why I was like, oh, don't say the word twice in a row, whatever. Um <laughs> It's it's a big deal for us because we've been looking at Axie for a while. We finally got the okay to be able to hold Axie events. And so we said, well, we got to go big or we just got to go home because this is such a fantastic game. It's got a great community behind it with such a solid set of content creators, including yourself. And so, Wesley, I want to say, is there any remaining points or anything you want to wrap up with before I do my final wrap up? Jacob, same goes to you, but I'll start with Wesley. Um, yeah, I just want to reach out and tell the community that check out Axie if you haven't, because there's lots of exciting things coming, you know, um, but don't expect to get rich <laughs> right away. You know, it's, it's, it's partly about having fun, right. And being part of this, this community. So I'm definitely excited to watch you guys host this tournament too. It's definitely like esports. I love them. I, I don't, we didn't talk about this much, but I play apex legends a whole bunch as well. And call of duty occasionally. And like, I'm, I'm big on Twitch and esports in general. So like, Axie Infinity, um, getting into this also is something that like I'm so excited about for the future. So very happy to be here as well. And, and thank you guys for having me. Absolutely, Wesley. We hope that we can catch up with you within a few months and uh, have you on again in the future. Jacob, for sure. any last points? 
You know, Wesley, I, you know, this was awesome. I learned a ton today uh, talking about Axie, which is you know always what you're trying to do uh, in, in crypto and blockchain gaming. You know, it, it's been awesome to have you. Uh, I will say one more time, thank you to EMP Money, our amazing sponsor for coming out and sponsoring everything we do, whether that be podcasts, whether it be esports tournaments. We're doing 500 EMP token giveaway during the Splinterlands Bulldog Bash, which is uh, this Saturday. Right. So, you know, we've been running Splitterlands tournaments for quite a while. We're excited for our first Axie one on the fifth. Um, but, you know, it, it, it was really it was great today. Um, so thank you. Well, folks, if you enjoyed this video, be sure to subscribe, like and leave a comment below if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or if you want to see something for next time or let us know who you want to see next. Until next time, though, that's it here from Esports Forever in this video. Until then, we're out.